This is Chris Somney, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Scintillating. Flawless performance tap, as usual. As usual, man. Hey, always at the gate right away. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm bad about it. Uh, okay, we, I just... Um, I just received uh, the connection info for next week's guest. Nice. Oh, you're teasing them. They're going to call you a tease Damn, now. Fancy. Yeah, oh, on the slack. Fancy, huh? So call you Drake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you're so silly. The silliest. He is. What the fuck is this shutter, dude? Uh, ah, warrant, Jesus. warrant publishing. Remember when there was that whole legal yeah. brouhaha about they thought they were uh, they they were brought to court because uh, I guess whoever owns the rights to Warren, I don't know who it is, thought that uh, they were infringing on said copyrights, and I guess now it's come to fruition. And they have to change their uh, their name. It is extremely reminiscent of creepy. I mean, come on! It the creeps, creepy. It, it, you know, it, the magazines are uh, the trade dress, if you want to call it that stupid name, looks very similar to Warren's publications, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be betting that the trade dress is going to change with the logo, and it's now called Shutter. And I said um, I would give my left arm for a chance to redesign that logo because it's pathetic. I don't like it at all. It's uninspired. It's milk toast. It's just. Yeah. What they do? Pull up a public domain font that's icky looking, and you know, come on, have a little bit of class. I love warrants, but I mean that logo is not cutting it. But we are cutting it because this, you know, what time it is? It's eleven o'clock comics, episode seven hundred and forty-four. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and I am Texas's next governor, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, no. You're not Matthew McConaughey. Seems like a fun dude, i got to be honest. Absolutely. Mm, I don't know about that. Hey, No, I really do think he seems like a pretty fun dude. Mm Mm-hmm. You're Jason Wood, everybody, here together on this episode. We're going to have some fun this time around. Well, not that we always don't have fun, but we're going to have a lot of fun gonna mix it up do something maybe a little different we'll see we'll see. we'll see how it rolls i don't know wow nobody even informed me i guess i didn't make the, the the editorial cut this week well if you weren't spending all the time on the slack and answering questions and statements on our part of the slack maybe you would have saw it there wasn't anything but maybe you would have. listen i was putting in the work man i was i was setting up a bunch of new posts for the patreon feed to commemorate the heritage auction that's going on right nice, now. Nice, nice. Here's the deal, folks. I'll type something. Dap will answer immediately. Jason, never, never answers. <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. It's true. I answered that's you. Rough. That's rough. I'll, I'll, especially a question when I actually do the at. You, you know your there your handle. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Never. Uh. Uh-uh. Dap will step in because he does. He feels bad. You know, as Dap is want to do, and Dap will answer it. Jason, nope. Crickets, man. He's gone fishing. All right, I'm just looking here. I'm gonna look. I'm looking at our Slack. Okay, I see a long chat between Dap and I on Monday with Nary events <laughs> comment all day. Monday was Nary. rough. Yeah, we're just back and forth, back and forth, nothing. 
Then I post pictures of my son in his glorious prom. Dap says, love it. Vince, dickus. Not even a reaction. Doesn't even, doesn't even acknowledge that he saw the images. Doesn't even... It's like, no, I don't care about your family life. That's, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> then I get it. Then this next thing... We, so we don't hear from him for two days. Then we yeah. hear, I fucked up. We're leaving on the 27th. <laughs> I reacted almost immediately laughing at it. Because it's true. So typical, okay. right? Right. So I reacted there. Then you don't comment again until about 28 hours later. And uh, you say you got to read some of the stuff that relates to our mystery guest we have next week. Yes. And I responded... 14 minutes later. So just wanted to point that there out. You go. And then and then today you asked what y'all read this morning. And then crickets. Dap responded, I'll I'll update you when I can. I got meetings. Right, he's a busy I man. Resp- I responded two hours later when I saw it. We'll update once I have something worth discussing. Oh boy. And that was that. Neither Dap nor I responded after that. Hmm. So I don't know what you talk about. <sighs> but meanwhile, I was updating my list all day. So you you could have been following along. I did see your list, and I, I'm glad there's there's one book on there. And I, I would there's I'm, more than one book. I'm, well, there's one book. book in particular. I'm very uh, eager yes. to hear your opinion on that book or your oh, thoughts, okay. such as they oh. are. Yep. Yes. And such as it is. Such yes. All the books can be had from Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. That's D C B as in boy Comics dot com. They get your books to you quickly and in the condition you would expect right you're buying these books you want them in pristine shape exactly that's what they're going to give you the specials are many but i've selected three here they are you can learn who ant is and how she came to be from eric larson because he is taking over the reins of ant relaunching the book with a number one it's from image of course cover price 3.99 you're not going to pay that guffaw you're going to pay $1.99 in the middle we got the defenders one of five from al ewing and javier rodriguez it looks phenomenal of course it's rodriguez the uh, cover price is a paltry four dollars for this much entertainment come on but you're going to pay half that because you're smart you know where to go where the prices are low and last but certainly not least from Vault Comics, it's Dead Box, number one, written by Mark Russell, art by Ben Tizma. And I was like, I heard that name before. I, I've read something by Ben Tizma, right? And so I did a little bit of soul searching and Googling, and he did the art for that Bebop and Rocksteady miniseries that came out uh, from IDW uh, about maybe four or five years ago, I think, around there. So the art on this is going to be great because that book was smoking. Cover price on this little thing is $3.99. You're going to take it home for half that. $1.99. DCBService.com certainly doesn't mind order additions. You can extra order all the stuff you want. And what's the next part? And they don't mind late orders. (laughs) Ring them up. Say, yo, I missed the boat. This is what I want. You know, you won't even get the finger wag like I do whenever I do something wrong dcbservice.com which is rarely I rarely do things wrong but when I do near perfect oh yeah yeah so I'm what are you guys drinking uh, well I am having water yeah so. me too yeah I'm on going a new out, thing going out tomorrow night with uh, going to have some 
dinner and spent and seeing our friends of ours new place that they got <clears throat> so saving my uh my uh alcohol credits for tomorrow nice nice well um in typical form i started a new thing a week before i'm going to vegas it's <laughs> it's this uh you hear about the app fastic no is it for intermittent fasting yeah 16 hour fasts yeah i'm a big fan I, I i intermittent fast at least 12 hours a day wow and then i throw in a day or two of longer than that nice so I've been doing 16 hours since last Friday. And nice. I could do it. I mean, it's, it's not even an effort to do it. So yep. it's a good thing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I was skeptical at first because I'm like, oh, you're just starving yourself. But uh, as long as you <laughs> eat the appropriate amount of calories during that eight-hour window, it's, it's, yeah. it's actually quite effective. I think the key is... It actually has real benefits, yeah. Yeah. I think the key is to occupy your mind. Don't even think about oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Do, that's why there's so many comics on my list this week. Because I just dove in head first. Like, food. Yeah. Who needs food? I got comics. Comics. Dap, yeah. what you got? Uh, last last Friday, um, wife and I met up with um, our neighbors. We were all walking dogs and we were walking back to the uh to the complex and so we decided to sit out um by the gazebo so so the three couples were just shooting the breeze and, and there's some things i gotta tell you guys later but uh we um two of them brought out wine and i went and grabbed this bottle that i hadn't opened until friday night it is um it is from barrel barrel bourbon it is called dovetail it is a limited release distilled in Indiana and Tennessee. It is whiskey finished in rum, port, and Dunn Vineyards Cabernet barrels. And it is extremely good. And uh, it's real easy to go down to. So um, the gentleman enjoyed it. And uh, I hadn't touched it since. So I figured tonight felt like a good night to, to have a little bit. There nice. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Smooth. Yeah. yeah. It is so smooth. All right. I'm going to start at the bottom. Mm. Now we're here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to do a long distance tag team with Jason. A word? Yeah. This is, uh, what, uh, four or five episode? Tag team. Oh, oh, yeah. oh! I know what you're saying. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm dying. I'm dying to hear your thoughts because yep. as I was reading it uh, a month or so ago, I kept thinking, "Oh my god, I, I this this was made for Vince." Right, and I won't read it digitally, so that's the reason why I waited so long. I waited for it to come in my DCBS box. I wanted to actually hold the physical thing and and enjoy it mm-hmm. that way. And I'm glad I did because it's a thick issue. Uh, the production is. Out the wazoo. Um, if you're going to start your first issue with a pastiche cover of the first issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland, you definitely have my attention. And if you're Ed Pisker, you already had it anyway. So I read um, Red Room, number one. An exercise whoop, whoop. issue written and illustrated by Ed Pisker. Of course, it's from Fanagraphics. Brief, brief reiteration of what's going on here because it's important to know 
the story before we get into the actual implications I think Ed's making um, or or maybe the uh, social commentary buried within um, you got a dude named Davis Fairfi- Fairfield Fairfield yeah Davis Fairfield who is an overweight desk jockey at uh, police station right it's paper pusher and uh, his wife and two children are hit by a drunk driver uh, ironically right after picking up his prescription <laughs> um, his wife and one child are killed and his older daughter Brianna whom he calls Bree Bree she's pretty banged up but uh, she survives Davis is uh, he's a scumbag because, um, I mean, not that people that have a fascination with serial killers are scumbags. I mean, I I followed the, uh, quote, careers of John Wayne Gacy and the Zodiac Killer and Berkowitz, you know, the laundry list of those uh, types of, of despicable individuals that fascinate uh, people. Like, how did they ever manage to do that? Uh, they had, I mean, Fairfield has theories about why they managed to do that. Uh, the ones that got away with it, he claims, were not the ones that were in major media outlets. Like the guys in Chicago, New York, they got nabbed because all eyes were on them. Uh, and and the, the mythology that was building. But the guys that do it out in the backwoods, uh, the, the rural areas, they don't get pinched. Um Davis also has uh, an appetite for torture and dismemberment and death. He's got a dark past, um, which involves murder. And uh, he never shared it with his wife, Dolores, the, the, the deceased, a.k.a. the Finkasaurus. Um, so he, he watches these uh, red rooms that are dark web um, chat rooms, kind of like Chatterbait, if you're familiar with that, where... You have viewers that are have accounts, and they will tip based on the performance, right? But uh, the uh, the Red Room um, movies or videos are uh, fueled by Bitcoin, which is very very expensive, right? And um, there's a laundry list of these production companies that that do these these red room videos and what they are is basically torture and murder they they uh, have a, a quote star that has a a persona you know they got a shtick just like wrestlers there's a guy that's called poker face and he has you know um playing card symbols uh on his hood and there's a a dude called um what was his name uh hemogoblin <laughs> thought that was cute that i mean this guy's despicable and it's not just it's not just murder it's like dismemberment like he's ripping off body parts for his audience and and you know sticking things where they should not go and removing things that should be on the body and it's just it's it's horrific to say the least right and ed draws it amazingly well like i don't know what kind of research ed did you know i'm sure a lot of it was just ed's fertile imagination coming up with what a body would look like if their tongue were pulled through their eye socket you know i mean it it, i don't think there's there's i hope there's not you know ways of researching that but ed you know he covered the basis the the art is just 
grisly and and appropriately gruesome and and i'm i'm kind of glad the book was in black and white because if it was in color there'd be a mess of red um so there's five crime families that that are doing these videos and uh, ed does a great job in um detailing all of the uh the various studios by way of these faux um chat windows like you get the video and then there's a, a a streaming chat on the side and you see how much people are tipping that's a very important part of the book where uh you see the bitcoin number slowly very very incrementally rising uh some rise a lot faster than others you got this now this is this poker face guy then you have these fanatical studios and there's the splatterpunk outlaws um and in the number one position is a lady known as sarah jane Payne, and that's the uh the woman that uh davis is into and she's shown reclining on a bed with body parts around her like a head it's it's really really disturbing um delightfully so in my case but um the focus here is this group called pentagram pictures and uh, it's run by this young lady named mistress pentagram and they never well you see uh glimpses of what these people look like uh in in the real world but for the most part they wear costumes wherever they're they're on panel and they don't call them costumes they call them avatars which is kind of cool um and Mistress Pentagram, for whatever reason, Ed fashioned this Pentagram Pictures with magic-related terminology, like and 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 visuals too. Like Mistress Pentagram on her belt, she has the Unicursal Hexagram, which is the sigil of Thelema. On her belt, like. Uh, the the various characters within this pentagram pictures organizations are named in accord to magic with a k like there's there's a dwarf called Horus Thelema there's another one called Crowley Thelema there's an Osiris Thelema like I don't know what Ed's angle is in giving these characters magically inspired names do you think there's a commentary on this or buried somewhere here or do you, did he just think it was cool that, I I was hoping you might have an opinion. I mean, I noticed it, but I I I uh, I, I do not. If there is a reason, I haven't heard him speak on it. Well, so. you you dropped the, the sigil of Thelema, and those that know what that is are instantly going to recognize it as being you know quote important. You know, there are, there are a lot of people that think Crowley was a, a a charlatan and a snake oil salesman and full of shit, but uh, the, he has got a lot of devotees that you know believed the 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 snake oil the lie he was selling but anyway um and mistress pentagram's pissed because they're in third place uh she needs to kick their enterprise up the ranks by injecting some novelty into their uh videos so how does she does how does she do it she's working with this lawyer guy and he's doing a little bit of research and he uncovers uh davis's uh checkered past and when you are recruited by this by these outfits they don't just knock on your door and say hey come on we want you to you know make some videos for us they um 
anesthetize you wherever you are and you wake up within the confines of their quote studios which are underground and then when you leave you're anesthetized again so you never know the location of this place and i thought it was really cool um and telling that in one segment one of the characters i believe was horace he's like remember when we were getting work done in the basement and we had to go upstairs and do the videos he goes listen in the background what do you hear and mistress pentagram's like what it sounds like rain and he's like yeah it's rain which means the feds could look at the doppler radar for you know wherever and pinpoint a bunch of locations where they believe this transmission could be coming from and we can get we can get broad like this could end everything we can't do that again she's like yeah i know okay so um i thought that was pretty neat that something as simple as rain in the background could bring the whole thing down it, it it's kind of cool um so mrs pentagram wants to boost their ranks so uh she they bring in davis and his uh true colors are revealed and the dude is just he's a monster almost everybody in this book is a monster there, there's only one character that i could pinpoint that is fairly innocent and that's brianna the daughter she's she's just a kid you know what i mean she 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 imbibes illicit substances you know kids do that right but she's not a savage killer right but um another commentary by ed brianna likes to do the cosplay right and uh, minimal cosplay so they're at a convention she and her friend i forget the friend's name and the friend is looking for a video of cannibal holocaust which is a despicable movie have you either of you seen it no i i wasn't even sure no it's a real movie i didn't know i didn't know it was a real movie no it's a real movie and and it's one of those those uh white rabbits right you know um those that want to get into the genre that's one of the movies they always go to because it it's infamous right there was a a scene in which dap won't watch it um an an animal uh, i believe it was a turtle uh was killed on camera just for the sake of the scene these savages killed the turtle and and uh the 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 director caught a lot of flack for that and um it's it's one of those video nasties right but it has it has, there's a legend behind it and there's the the lore like that's the the noobs always gravitate towards that film it's not a real well-made film at all but you know if if it's one of those trial by fire if you can sit through cannibal holocaust man you're 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 one of us so um i thought it was it was telling that the friend wanted cannibal holocaust and was like speaking in in couched language with the dealer and finally she bought it and it's like yes score and and it's 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 uh, almost but not quite the same kind of forbidden entertainment deal that's going on with you know uh davis right but um this is the the commentary part of the book that i thought ed's saying something here where mistress pentagram like where do they get the people to murder for their videos you gotta wonder right do they just pick up vagrants off the street you know um the she was kind of jealous of the splatterpunk outlaws because they murder average looking people and that's really hard to do like if you get an average looking dude that's not like a uh i know i shouldn't say this but uh 
um, an inbred looking goofball that, that looks like, you know, with the bib overall jeans and no shirt that looks like they were just pulled out of the gutter. Like nobody's going to really care, uh, in quotes that, that, that person got murdered. But if you bring in a guy that looks like, you know, he's a bank teller or something, or just like an average looking dude or dudette, people are going to question, you know, these people have families, they have connections, right? There's a, there's a, a, a trail of, of bodies living that, that can be traced and maybe this person could blow the whole operation if, should they find out, you know, who he is, where, what happened to him. But anyway, so, um, Mrs. Pranagram, they, they literally breed the fodder for their videos. She calls the victims cows because, like their namesake, they're kept in pens. And, and they exist for one reason and one reason alone. Grist for the machine. They provide these, these misbegotten wretches, provide the raw material that makes the videos possible. Right? So, and, and she said like some of the cows were, were mating and babies were born in these pens. So it's implied that there's a, a lineage of victims. Right? And I'm thinking, there's really not a whole lot of difference between Mistress Pentagram and Colonel Sanders, right? I mean, it, it it's right there. She, they're they the the victims are referred to like domestic, like like um, game, like just just things that are that are bred to be killed, and that's exactly what Kentucky Fried Chicken does, right? They just breed chickens to kill them to make food for us. So, am I off base, Jason, here in thinking that Ed's, you know, making a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink here, or is it? Uh, no, I mean, you, you you could be onto something. I mean, I I was looking at it a little bit more like it was just, I guess, more on the level of he was making a social commentary of the of the class system and how there's a big chunk of the populace that really can just be murdered for these videos. Right. Well, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I, no, but, but, but now that you say it, yeah, it definitely makes some sense. Yeah. They're, um, and when they're brought in, uh, there, there was a, a couple of bloggers that, uh, unfortunately stumbled upon these, these drainage pipes that were dumping viscera and, and crap into the river. And they traced the pipes, tried to trace the pipes back to their source and they were brought in and brutally oh my god it is just horrific they they're beaten so badly they can't even speak like you you can barely understand the words in the in the the, the speech bubbles they're just like destroyed one guy's got a knife sticking out of his eye socket and the, like there's there's pieces of them ripped off and and tacked back on it's just it's really um eye searing it's one of those and he used it for the back cover too it's it, when you see the sequence i don't think you're going to forget it anytime soon but the reason why i absolutely loved this book is because it's my old thing right when when you can push me over the line and show me some disturbing shit that i have never seen before you've won my heart i mean I, like um the uh um Jesus, I'm blanking out. A Clockwork Orange. Peel my, my eyelids back and force me to watch this shit. Give me a couple eye drops in the eyes. Malcolm McDowell. Every couple frames, I'm good. I, I, I need to experience stuff. The new, right? The, the novel. If you could shake me 
and 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 disturb me on a level that this book did at my age like that's really hard to do uh, it, it's i know it's a it's a not a commonplace uh approach to comics like who wants to be shocked and and disgusted and revolted for their money well i do but um i i know that i'm probably in the minority there but i thought this issue was just phenomenal it's it it takes real balls to to put out a book like this especially after the stuff that he's known for right hip-hop family tree is it's it's well regarded because of the the breadth of the the uh, research that went into making it number one, the the connection between uh, rap music and comics, right, and just the phenomenal way he laid it all out, a history. It's it's a it's a it's a rap music primer, right, and it it pays homage to all those people that that made that music. This is totally different. Right? This is not WYSIWYG. This is something Ed has never done before. Uh, I, and and I, I just hope he continues this for a, a long, long time because it's like uncharted, transgressive territory. And that's I'm all about that. Challenge me. I believe he said... I, I, I didn't... He did give a number. I think he said he has at least seven done. That's incredible. They're not all double-sized, yeah. though. He's, no, no. No, but... but so you wanted to kick it off yeah. with a with a bang. I don't blame him. I think that's a smart approach. I wouldn't and I wouldn't trim this issue anywhere. It needed mm-hmm. to be delivered as as it was. Yeah. And I think he said that uh he it's not because it's kind of an anthology once it gets going. It it's it's going to be like uh um like you know, it's going to be he, he'll be able to revisit it in other words. Like it's not like he's going right. to do do what he's done with his other projects and put this out for a bunch of years and then move on and never touch it again. He, he's going to put out a, a bunch and then do, he's already got something else he's working on, but then he said he could see revisiting things, revisiting this one shots issues, just whenever it strikes him. Right. Um, kind of like David Latham, right? Like he yeah. just, he'll, he'll come back to it over the years if he feels like it. It thing. makes a whole lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shared universe the way it looks, right? Cause next, next issue is poker face. Yeah. So, I mean, same planet, different areas and uh you get to see what it's like for the other studios and yeah i think it's it, it's going to be riveting mm-hmm. but again yeah not for everybody yeah that that goes without saying but i said it anyway <laughs> <laughs> absolutely loved it yeah i'm okay. not surprised yeah i was gonna say i would have been Given how, how transgressive it is, I would have been really actually fascinated if you didn't and why. And I guess the only reason I could determine why you might not have liked it is if you thought it was too, um, if it came across like a poser type of thing, like too, too, too by the numbers. And so oh, no, it didn't happen. No, no, no. I'm saying if, there, if I were to guess why right. you might not have yeah. liked it, that would have been the only reason I could come up with. No, I, you know, I, I like to uh, work against expectations but in this case i can't front i he had me captivated from the first page yeah, yeah. for sure and it's so disturbing the cops are sleaze balls the people mm-hmm. that are that are trailing through the the police station are sleaze balls these these murderers that are making these videos are are despicable like like i said it's just a book filled with with unlikable characters 
Yeah, and you just wonder if the daughter is going to eventually do some nasty stuff. Just yeah. because she is the only innocent in the book if her, at, this, at the start. I'm wondering if all of the um, uh, Pentagram Pictures crew are related. Because at mm-hmm. one point, Horace calls... I got to mean that they were a family. Yeah, yeah he calls her sissy. Yeah, yeah no, I, I assume yeah. they were a family. Yeah. But that's in the tradition of Texas Chainsaw. So sure. it, it works for mm-hmm. me as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's good eating. Second issue comes out next week, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to think, I was so scared <laughs> by the the preview images of this. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to order this. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great okay. feeling, right? Why do you go into haunted houses? Yeah. Why would you pay money to be scared? Because it's a it's a wonderful feeling. For sure. Can be. Yeah. Yeah. And well, then I'll um. I'll keep this long distance tag team train going. Oh, look at you. Uh, because I finally was able to sit down with the first issue of Made in Korea. Oh, sweet. And I, uh, spoiler, I, I dug it immensely. This was, this is exactly the kind of thing that it came close to speaking to me because it it's, there's that, you know, it's got a sprinkle of Blade Runner, which, you know, is never going to be a turnoff for me. But, uh, I mean, we start off with, with, with my main writing code, and, and I'm just, okay. But it is, you know, the, I, I'm really, Holt and Shaw have, have, have just grabbed me by the arm, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see where this, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's some big action-packed, uh, a roller coaster. It's 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 pretty straightforward. It it, it takes place um, in Seoul, South Korea, and in uh, Conroe, Texas. Um, and you know, we're introduced to uh, Chul, who who's writing code and 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 has a breakthrough, um, and tells his coworker about it. Um, but unfortunately. Uh, as is the case with companies, uh, and if if you work for Big Two Comics, you, you know this is true. Anything you do, any any work you do on company property is owned now by the company. So uh, whatever breakthrough he had is owned uh, by Wukjin Industries, and. Um, and and he kind of he feels some kind of way about that, but he he doesn't uh, he doesn't really he doesn't go into complete detail with his coworker. Uh, keeps him in the dark or at arm's length, um, and uh, and and the coworker is asking him about it the next day, um, but he plays it off because before during that time uh, in the time between him talking to his friend at the bar and then his friend talking to him at work, uh, he, he, um, he downloads the code and, uh, stores it somewhere. Um, and that somewhere is in a, um, is in a proxy who is named Jesse and, uh, and, and Jesse is now the, 
proxy belonging to um, Bill and Sue Lin. And, uh, and I mean, just seeing them receive the, uh, the shipment, I'll call her, and, uh, and activating her and getting comfortable with her and then it's time to go to bed and, and then they wake up the next morning and uh, Jesse's basically a sponge. Uh, her, her room is surrounded by bookshelves and, and uh, in the morning when uh, when Bill and Sulin go to get her, uh, she's pretty much read everything in the room. I, I mean, Shaw's art is fitting. I think it really works for the story here. Um, the... Uh, I think Bill and Sue are Lynn are very relatable as far as I'm concerned as as a reader. They're they're, they're friends. They're well to do friends. Um, are uh, cut from a different cloth, and and um, the Evans are kind of outcasts in in that regard. So I'm I'm really you know I have some ideas to where I think they might be going with the story. Uh, there's um. There's a situation at the uh, uh, Chul is asked to speak to management, or, or that he <laughs> he's requested to uh, to meet management, and that's the last we see of him in the first issue. Um, so I really want to see how that conversation plays out. Well, he's if kind we of a he's kind of a dumbass. Like if if you if you take the job. And they specifically say, you can't work on your own shit on company time. And he does it. He's got his own self to blame. That's it. You signed up for it. You agreed to it. And yet you still did it. So anything that falls on you, you brought it on yourself, my man. And that, that's... I mean, seriously. We've no, all, no, we've I, all I, done I, it. I'm sure we've all done it. But you can't bring a device to work with you and work on your device. Like, th- that's your property. That so you know you can't do it. On right, your, but are you, you can't code on your during company hours. It's it's. I mean, there's this. Yes, it's 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 kind of it's well, unfortunate that um, that that's the kind of well world these people live in. I'm yeah. sure it's in the very near future. But um, I mean, the guy seems right. really well, it's, intelligent. It's, Has he never like, heard of a keystroke logger? What? <laughs> Come on! I don't know, especially, especially if you're a coder and, and you've been working on computers all day, it, right? It's, um, you know, but it, it's, but it's the same, it's the same situation when, um, you know, when, when, when you bring up the fact that uh, Slot or Gamet or Morrison or someone created characters that are now owned by Marvel and DC and that they can't, you know, do anything with it. And, that is and, the and same situation. Say again. That is the same situation, yeah. right? And and it's you know, and in this and, and I mean, my my heart goes out to the creators in that case. Although I think, in my mind, were I in their shoes, I would at least be smiling somewhat because I know my creation is going to live on once i'm gone other people can have fun with that whereas if i you know i don't know who's going to be working on savage dragon once eric larson shuffles off this mortal coil which is hopefully never but you know once once he's gone i don't know how much savage dragon we're going to get after that so it's it's you know so do you keep it to yourself and just you know you are the only person responsible for it or do you let others 
care for it and and do something with it and um that's not a conversation for here but it's it's that is the that that's you know what 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 side of the coin do you fall on but uh no made in korea is it, it's i i really really enjoyed it i i i enjoyed it more than i thought i thought it would be a neat little story and i'd read it and i you know nod my head along with it and i'm like that's neat and i'll read the next issue but i kind of want to read the next issue now i i i really am surprised at how much this little um and again it's there's there's not a lot of action it's it's mostly just conversations and 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 it's setting things up but uh i i'm i'm happily pleasantly surprised that i am so um i want more of it right now it 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 really did uh I appreciate the work they put into it. I, I think it's neat. The colors are great. I, I really am happy with this. I think this is a is a solid first issue, and uh, I, I can't wait to see where we go from here. But um, I'm you know I'm already trying not to get worked up because if someone's going to come after the Evans, because obviously you know they they practically purchased Jesse at a fire sale as as Truel said, you know, she's practically free. So come on, someone's gotta someone's gotta pay for this. So someone someone's gotta be looking for for a child and uh and Sue Lin just came across her at the right time. So I, I can't imagine management is going to let this stand. So uh whether or not they'll be coming after her or uh, if the Evans ever find out what exactly they have, if Jesse ever finds out what what um she has insider. I don't, you know, I just, I, I, my mind's just going all over the place trying to see what I'm not letting them tell their story. I'm trying to write it, but it, it's, I'm just, I can't wait to see where we go from here. It, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think the, the elephant in the room, um, why can't people reproduce anymore? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it may as well be invisible like walking dead. You don't really need to know. Right. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not really important. Uh like it, you don't care what you don't need to know why they're gone. Right. It's yeah. the lever that that is that's lifting the story because without the um the absence of reproduction these proxies wouldn't even exist. Um at least not, you know, uh in the form they do now in the book, but it's really not important to me. What no, why That's not that's not the story. Yeah. Moving on past it, that's where we are. That's that's we don't don't we don't need to get bogged down with that. That's right. just Oh, look, the dead are, are are rising and they're eating humans. Oh well, we got to deal with it. Okay, show me the various ways these characters deal with it. I'm good. I don't need to know exactly and in fine print why the dead are are, are you know, reviving. It doesn't matter. Um yeah, I, I like you. I thought this book was just phenomenal. Shaw's artwork's great. Um, yeah, so really so simple, so clean. But I think yep. it, it it fits the story very well. Yeah, it was uh, a sleeper with me. I didn't see it coming, and once I read, it, I was like, "Whoa! How did I? Uh, how did I live without this book?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Jason. Uh-oh. Hey, Vince. Why don't you tell us what you're reading? Well, there are two, I don't know if we call them events. I guess they're events. There are two Marvel events happening right now. One is in its own self-contained comic. The other is uh, 
for the second time already, intertwining all of the mutant books. Of course, I'm talking about the Hellfire Gala and Heroes Reborn. Hmm. I, if you were to, if you were to have um, pressed me on which I would have thought I would enjoy more going into them, I would have said Hellfire Gala because I am reading the majority of the mutant books already and enjoying them already. Um, whereas as much as Jason Aaron is one of my favorite writers of his era, you all know, I, I, I found his Avengers run to be easily the most, um, the, the least enjoyable of, 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 of his work for me uh, in his career. So I was like, ah, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. But now that we're, I guess, done with Heroes Reborn, right? Seven issues. I think it's, we're finished. Seven. Uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. think done and, is in quotes. No, exactly. Uh, and, and, and halfway through, roughly, maybe two-thirds of the way through Hellfire Gala, I have to say I've probably enjoyed Heroes Reborn more in part because it was so self-contained. Um, now that said, I don't think Heroes Reborn has been perfect. Sure, there have been there have been things that have left me a little cold or 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 what have you. But for what it is, it's been really enjoyable, and I think the majority of my enjoyment comes from the art, and not only the art on a purely surface level aesthetic, but also the shockingly wonderfully surprising type of art we're getting, um, which I have to say based on who it is has a lot to do with Jason having a lot of pull at Marvel and likely getting to pull these people in to do this book because you just don't expect to see a full issue of James Stokoe at Marvel. You know, <laughs> you just don't expect to see, uh, R.M. Guerra at Marvel. It's just the, these things don't happen, and and yet they happened in this series. And and I just it, it and it may sound hypocritical because certainly I have plenty of occasions taken series to task when there are very abrupt breaks in the visual look. Uh, it's one thing to have different artists on a book, but if they have very different styles and it's not part of the storytelling device, i.e. one is telling you stuff that happened in the past and one is telling you something that happened in the present, I've, I often take issue with that. I feel like it, it somewhat dilutes my ability to get lost in the story. But this is different because this has been structured in such a way that it's essentially, for better or for worse, one-off, one-shot origin books or about each of the members of the Squadron Supreme in this what-if universe where the Avengers never existed. And then we get the the ongoing back-channel story with McGinnis and Aaron, uh, which revolves around, of course, getting the, uh, the They Live, the Roddy Piper, getting the the band back together of Avengers to try and, and write whatever's going on that's wrong. And, and we find out over the course of who's actually responsible for this, because in this status quo... Uh, Agent Coulson is the president, and as I said, Steve Rogers was never found, so ergo there is no Avengers, and the Squadron Supreme are the uh, the Justice League. I mean, they've always been the Justice League, but in this they really are. They're just they're the Earth's protectors, and um, so so for me, like each issue, I would I would rate differently. I, I, I some I enjoyed 
more than others. But for what it was, I I, I do think it, it was entertaining. There were lots of of things that you can and should do in an Elseworlds or a What If, like Hyperion flying through Galactus's head was awesome. I mean, as absurd as it probably would be, because how powerful is he? I loved it. I thought that was great. Things like that. So I um, I liked it. Now, like I said, it wasn't perfect. I mean, there were times when I felt like it was too much of a pastiche of the Justice League. I I I I didn't need to see Peter Parker as 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 Jimmy Olsen like that to me that didn't do anything for me and I know there was a one shot that I've read that that ties it in and maybe that was good on its own but I I I just I, like I didn't need to see things like that but when when it was just adjacent to the Justice League and doing its own thing most notably in the Stoko uh, Doctor Spectrum stuff oh man I I, I thought it was absolutely it sung. And I, I I enjoyed quite a bit, and I would love to own a few of those pages from the Stoko issue in particular. So yeah, so I, overall I enjoyed it. But like you said, Vince, I mean they didn't play quite fair because it ends on a cliffhanger, ends in quotes. So the seven issue series that people invested in, you now have to follow it up with the next Heroes Reborn or what is it, Heroes Return? Return. Which is, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just following what happened. Previously. Yeah, it is. It is, but I mean. It's a little dirty pool, right? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I didn't check. To see, I don't know if they announced it. I don't know if it was always just the Heroes Reborn or if they pulled. Right. I don't. I, I doubt many people are going to be really angry at that because if you're reading this, you probably wouldn't mind reading Heroes Return as well. But a little bit of bait and switch, maybe. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, I, I, it, I don't still quite know what to make of it. And, and frankly, the least, the least favorite, the least favorite thing about it to me are those tie-in. Uh, sequences at the end with McGinnis and 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 this cockamamie group of of Avengers that Blade is bringing together. Um, I I I skipped ahead. I haven't called. I haven't read all of the Avengers run yet, but I I have So I haven't read any of the part where they all get possessed by the Phoenix Force. And I'm guessing that Maya Rivera is now the new Phoenix for some reason. I don't know how that works. I don't know how she she can handle the Phoenix Force as like an ongoing entity, but. Apparently that's what's going on. So little like that kind of stuff was wasn't so interested in, but um, but yeah, yeah. But 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 for the most part, I, I think it, it. I give them credit because it's exactly what they said it was going to be. And so I don't feel like you, if if you read this and were just aghast by what it was, you probably don't read solicits. <laughs> you read solicits, so I feel like they played fair with that. But uh, but yeah. Whereas the Hellfire Gala. I have been, other than the issue which I know Vince wanted to was hoping upon, hope I did read today, and I, I did, and we can talk about that. But before that issue, I thought they were all pretty boring. Like I, I think having a bunch of issues where people are dressed up at a ball in a, at a gala is generally boring. Both, like, and and boring especially visually to me. I, I'm now I'm a forty six year old cis dude so maybe that's like i I don't i I take almost no pleasure from seeing all of these characters in uh met gala attire like that doesn't in real life i don't care about the met gala even though i'm in new york i I, like it doesn't i I don't care to see what uh what what kanye is wearing on the met gala runway or what Tom Hanks and his wife were dressed as like that doesn't mean anything to me, and so this is the this is the mutant version of that very much like on the nose, 
And I know that there was a lot of excitement for a bunch of the artists to do new character studies and come up with these costumes. And I'm sure that that definitely scratched an itch for a lot of, of creators who dig fashion and, and fashion design. And Vince, I know you like the fashion runway, so you probably really dig this a lot more than I do. Yeah. It, it meant absolutely nothing to me. Like the only part that I took any real enjoyment out of, I'm not saying I disliked it. It just didn't really do much for me. But, but the part I did find entertaining was that Emma switched outfits every, every scene (laughs) is like what a Oscars host would do or something. So I, I did like that a lot. Um, but yeah, I just, I found Marauders 21, X-Force 20, Hellions 12, Excalibur 21, uh, X-Men 21, and Children of the Atom number four, collectively, far and away, the most boring six issues of the Hickman-run X-Universe that I've read to date. And I would have been hella salty talking about it tonight if I didn't listen to my boo and make sure I read Planet Size X-Men number one before we recorded. That alone probably <laughs> rescues this Hellfire Gala from being Fakakta. Yeah, it makes it all worthwhile. It does. I'll seat the floor. No, I just thought it was a colossal event. I mean, honestly, when when you have uh, and spoilers if you haven't read it, uh, because it's definitely spoilers because it just came out and it is a big. There's definitely some to do. So well, we can okay. couch it um, when you have the entire mutant population relocating in a very. Um, as I was reading the book, I'm thinking these aren't mutants anymore; they're gods. Yeah, they're gods. Yeah, yeah, I mean they are. They're they're terrible. Uh, yeah, j- jump forward 10, 10, 15 minutes if you don't want to talk about the if you don't hear anything about this. But uh, they terraformed Mars. It's insane. Like literally terraformed Mars. They brought Mars. It, they turned Mars into a vibrant, mutant friendly p- planet. <laughs> like, yep. like in a matter of a couple days. Like they do. Like, they they with seemingly no problems whatsoever. Like there was like seemingly nothing went wrong. They just. Had a plan and executed the plan. <laughs> but, dude, the scene with Jamie Braddock. Oh, it was incredible. And yeah. and the sword erupting from his pregnant yeah. bed. That was insane. It was just, it, it, that answers the question, why not? Right? Mm-hmm. It yeah, is the, the, so the, ridiculous. Yeah, the great thing about that is, and, and what's been going on really since, since Hawksbox, is this idea that these... Some of these people are so powerful that we have let ourselves be bound by our own expectations, and and we need to open our minds to what if right. you had these abilities you could really do, especially working together. And that's the neat thing as a team, Mark. A lot of times throughout comics history, no matter who the characters are, whether it be Hawkeye, who's a human who can shoot bows and arrows, next to Thor, a god, a Norse god. They just really all they do working together is effectively all fight in cadence, right? They're all, they're basically using their abilities to fight a common villain in the moment. But this is a totally different thing. This is taking like you have a spice shelf and saying, "All right, what I'm going to make tonight." And and they're so now that they've been to resurrect so many of the mutants that they basically have this this cosmic chemistry set where whatever problem they want to solve whether it's teleportation across galaxies or creating trillions of dollars in wealth or terraforming a fucking planet or resurrecting your yeah. entire species. 
it's literally just a matter of these people sitting down and mapping out, okay, how do we do that? Let's see. Let's Well, let's get this person, this person, this person, and we have backups for each of them, and let's go do it. And it's incredibly creative. It's, yeah. it's absolutely wonderfully creative. And the cool thing about Planet Size to me is that it was Jerry Duggan at the helm because Jerry's been doing a nice job on his books during this run. So I, I was hopeful that he would do a nice job taking over for Hickman on the titular X-Men book. But still, to see him play with these massive concepts and the way that he did here gives me a lot of comfort for, for him taking over the baton. Right. I think, uh, again, this, this occurred to me as I was reading it, watching these, these amazing events taking place that I think humanity within the Marvel universe needs to let out uh, a, a collective sigh because they don't know how lucky they were that the mutants turned left instead of right. They could easily have subjugated humanity without effort. And um, regardless of the Avengers and, and whoever else would, would come to humanity's defense, when you can alter the state of a planet yeah. in, in, and work together, there's nothing without, I mean, outside the realms of possibility. When you can revive your dead, all everything's off the table. Like, you have now ascended to the Godhead. What's next? And that, that that's another thing. When you see something like this unfold, and you're just in awe of not only the, the story, but Pepe Larraz's art is just... Mm. Uh, it, <laughs> it, like, you want to cry. It's so beautiful and complex mm -hmm. and novel and different. And just, this is not what I'm used mm -hmm. to seeing in X-Books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. least at and, least not in the past, like, what, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And if you, even if you think about it from a, 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 a theocracy perspective and... Certainly, most of our listeners would be most familiar with Judeo-Christian uh, mythology on that front, but 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 really any type of 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 deity throughout history, it's it, they're they're like you said they're gods. They're, they're doing the things that that they're doing Old Testament shit here. I mean, right? They they created a planet. They gave it life. They created man. They resurrected. I mean, they're they're doing all the things that a lot of people on this earth believe uh, there's a being that can do right you know and, and and willing to live their lives beholden to that view so it's it's what what is there that they haven't that they can't do at this point right like they're immortal they're immortal they can terraform completely unlivable planets into a livable place could jump across the galaxy yeah, if they want to the galaxy they can they can uh they, they've created they can create any kind of business that they want. So I, I don't know what, yeah, what else is there for them to have? I don't know what, what's left. So as a creative uh, person, other than trusting themselves or, 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 right. or, or that's, what's going to do them in. Right. I so think so. Yeah. yeah. Hubris. But as a creative person, where do you go from here? What is the next logical step in, in this, yeah. this evolution of the mutants? Like um, it, I think it's very difficult to come up with a storyline that rivals everything to date and makes sense, right? Uh, yeah, they could have infighting and bring themselves down. That would be the logical conclusion to this, just to get everything on a level playing field again within the Marvel Universe, because now it's totally off balance. Like, I, I don't know how Reed would deal with this. And Reed's overcome some pretty <laughs> formidable <laughs> opponents. Like, how would you counter this? They don't die. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't. When when Cap and Cruz show up at the Hellfire Gala, I'm like, bruh, seriously? Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you like? You're a bitch ass. What are you gonna do? Like, I mean, you're the man, and all you throw the shield, and you're like rah rah. But like, it, it, I mean. It's just, it's not, it's not even table stakes. Yeah. Well, but it's, with it's, Magneto around, you wouldn't even be able to lift it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, that said, I, I, I think because they are godlike now, there has to be, um, there have to be a comeuppance. I mean, they're not going to make this the new status quo forever. Maybe a few more years, but yeah. but not forever. Well, we should enjoy and, and it while it lasts. Are they going to fight the gods? Are they going to you know? Are they going to try and work the the Eternals into it? Or the, here's the, a storyline: I would love to see um, Galactus turn his head towards Mars and say, "Hmm, that's looking mighty tasty now." That would be a oh, cool cool storyline. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, the thing uh, that that just amazes me is Hickman's not content to just work with the standard tools that we've been working ex uh, writers have been working with for forever he created these these um Araco citizens like these this this incredibly diverse group of um characters that they they don't fit the bill as to what we're accustomed to seeing in x books like they're just visually stunning and they all they they have this very peculiar mindset. Um, like you know, if it's not war, it's not good. And like, you don't even think that the the mutants would be working with them. Like, but it works. If it wasn't for the Iraqo, um beings, Mars never would have happened. Well, and the planet is for them. Well, yes, it is. But I mean, it's now it's a retreat. Yeah. If, if you know, for the mutants, if if Earth's not working out, we we'll just hop over to Mars. They'll never get to us. At you know, yeah. it's, it's just amazing. No, it's 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 awesome stuff. Uh, I, I I in a way, I'm a little nervous because it is so cool, and I feel like they're just getting started with these big ideas and what they could mean. I think it Dap, you would, It's it's like in 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 pro graps when when they they, they rush the. They rush the feud, you know. It's like I don't want them to. Yeah. I don't want them to 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 have the 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 championship fight at the next pay per view. I want them to build the story a bit, you know. So I hope that they do take some time and build this and let them be gods, doing their own thing for a while, and and let that tension build over time. So then, when it's if it does become mutants versus every other hero on the planet or the in the universe it makes sense it feels big table stakes it doesn't feel like oh we need to wrap this up for the next writer so let's just have yeah, right the Avengers yeah. take them on and then and then they get depowered but they're like oh we're sorry and we'll be cool and then you know i i, I hope that's not the way it goes and i i don't think it will go that way unless and until hickman hangs up his his cleats as the showrunner but then again I, we're probably going to see him hang up those cleats at some point i i don't think he's going to stick around for another five years doing this so i'm pretty sure i don't i think i think hickman is i don't want to say he's smarter than but i i think hickman has things in place where it's very easy for him to leave when the time is right when 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 he's when he's 
done telling his story, unlike, you know, other, oh, we had to cancel this issues, we had to cancel this series in 10 issues instead of 12, and we still got to the end we wanted, but we just had to, I, I, unlike Byrne, who thought he could do both, but Marvel was like, no, no, you're, you're done with Fantastic Four, and his final issues were, were, were a mess, because he was working over on, on Superman for DC, so I think Hickman is definitely in a situation where I believe he can call his shots and and I don't think even if he even if the series even if his even if his time with the mutants ended sooner than he expected I think he'll I think the story will conclude I think he'll write it in a way that I don't think we'd be able to tell I think there've been 3 major explosions in the uh, X-Men continuity as far as creativity goes. The OG Big Bang with Stan and Jack, right? Then you had Morrison, and I think Hickman is the third. Um, And Hickman's uh, run has rivaled the Big Bang, in in my mind, as being extremely important to to this concept of of mutant and what it means to the Marvel Universe. Um, Yes, he's using things that were created before him, but he's using them in incredibly novel ways. Granted that, too, to a lesser extent. Like, if I had to rank him, I, I would definitely go with Stan and Jack first and then Hickman and then Morrison. Uh, just in terms of raw, unbridled creativity. Like, what Hickman's done on these books is just ridiculous. Um, unexpected, jaw-dropping, uh, and the, the word I keep using because it fits is novel. We haven't seen anything like this in in X Men continuity. I think forever, right? That's saying something. That you know, you get a guy that comes in who has been known to shake up the status quo of the things he works on, right? But to this degree, it's insane. It it, it no. literally leaves you wondering what could they possibly do next with this. There are there's I I, I don't disagree with you at all. I I, I would rank those exactly the same way. Um, Whereas with Morrison, I think, you know, I'm going to shake things up. And, oh, here's Beak. And he looks like a bird. You know, there are certain things where it's like Morrison was just like, okay, yeah, that's 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 clever or charming or whatever. Whereas Hickman is is using what came before um, and telling some fantastic stories with it and, and, and setting up a fantastic stage. But it's it's weird. There are... I know we all were fans and, and we, when we discuss things with, with our friends and there's always that error. It's like, well, which, you know, which version is your Avengers? Which version is, is your justice league of America? And there, there are certain, it's not really, Oh, the bronze age or the gold. It's usually, you know, when a certain, either when a creator came on or, or something, a, a an event happened. Claremont's run was so damn long. It's so hard for. Some, I mean, you might have somebody who's a fan. Oh, I became an X Men fan because of the Outback era. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's that's something. But I don't know if it, when Hickman took over, it was it's it was heavy, man. You felt it. It was it was a massive change, and it was worth taking notice. All the other times, you, you may be a Claremont fan. But Claremont's run again was so long that there are are you a specific you know, do you 
glom on to a certain team? Is it when Storm took over? Is it when uh, Ramita Jr. took over? Like, what is is so? Hickman's coming on was it's very different in in that sense, but I think um, I'm almost it's it's weird. I, I almost kind of look at it on a whole different level. I really don't compare it to. And yeah, I I know Morrison came on and and that was that was a big deal. Um, but when I when I look at Hickman's what, what Hickman did with this corner of the Marvel universe, you know I can it's and it, it's me giving him a short shrift. But I you know I could I could just lump Morrison's stuff in there with um, with Austin's or with. Lobdell's and 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 Cienzas and it, it was just it was just another run it was just another um, yeah I mean it, it, he shook things up and and he made some changes and it was worth noticing but it it kind of just all blends into everything else pre Hickman for me with with the X Men which and that, and that's just my hang up with the X Men it's not it, it's not a slight it's just how I how I tend to view things. I think Claremont had his creative bursts, but like you said, it was so long, so drawn out, and so mangled in some spots that it it, it was more like a soap opera, mm-hmm. where I don't think he was searching for new ways to to present these characters. He was just trying to move the pieces on the board in 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 a manner that the readers would respond to. Right, he. I don't think Claremont was like, "I'm gonna shake some shit up." Right, you know, he just these are characters in a lot of senses that he made. He made those characters, but it, I just it went on for far, far too long. Uh, I think the steam was was leaking out of the engine a decade before he stopped. It's just, and I don't discount his contribution to the mutants. How could you not? He's Chris Claremont. Right, we. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could argue that we wouldn't be having this this Hickman run without Claremont, and, and so he the, that run is very very important. But I'm talking about unbridled creativity, where you just go in and you just pull apart the machine, put it back together like Forge in a, in a way that it it never worked before. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to. One of the things I thought that was cool is when Hickman talked about his plans for this he viewed it as that there were a few seminal epics in in not epic but epoch in in mutant history and he thought that they were the creative pinnacles of the characters and his goal was to weave a new direction that would embrace what he thought were the brightest ideas from each of those eras. And and I and that's a very auspicious thing for him to have said he was going to do and he did it. Um but like yeah, I mean I, I, I think Morrison's run was hella creative. I think the difference is two things. One Morrison wasn't at least and I'm speaking for him like I know him, but he didn't seem really interested in redefining who the mutants were in the Marvel universe. Like, like he, he was interested in telling Morrisonian creative stories involving that 
world, but but he didn't really attempt to redefine their place in the six one six. And then two, and this is the one that's harder to measure. I I think part of the reason Morrison's stuff doesn't feel as big now is that well, it, it came and went. Like like we 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 we've had twenty other people write the X Men since he since he he left, and they each had their own their own ideas and their own uh, mandates from editorial and, and, and whatnot. So, so a lot of the things that Morrison did, some stuck, some didn't because it's been a long time. And, and, and I, I mentioned that because I think the one thing we won't know until 10 years from now is how much of this sticks. If, if, if in three years (laughs) there is no Mars planet and there is no Krakoa and, most of the mutants are gone again and they're on the run and persecuted and being hunted by sentinels and they seemingly can't I mean it seems so ridiculous to think they couldn't defeat a few sentinels now but if they can't and 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 you know we're we're back at the pool playing volleyball after they just barely survived extinction I mean I think a lot of the stuff that we're gushing about right now is going to feel less significant but if this if a lot of these ideas that that Hickman and his team are building right now persist Five ten years from now, then it's going to feel like the maybe the most important run since since Stan and, and and Jack and and all those guys, you know. So I, but but we we just we won't know that until the, the test of time, right? I would love to see a scene currently with the major players just sipping around, you know, on drinks, lounging, having a good time. Uh, here comes like ten sentinels, and they they don't even break a sweat. They're just like they don't even get out of their lawn chairs. They're just like, well, they're all gone. That'd be an awesome scene. It would it would really cement the idea that all that stuff that came before hmm, doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think that's in the past. That'd be great. Uh, I just want to one thing about Heroes Reborn. Um, did you read the Marvel Double Action Number One? Not yet. No, I okay. Well, I won't yeah, say anything, no, no. but it is it is by far. I'm not going to say the only tie-in worth reading, but uh, Dan Jurgens, ugh. It is it is amazing, and it does a little twist on uh, yeah. amazing one twenty two. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it's great. I um, I've I'm, I'm only I only just started the fifth issue of the main mini, but I have read all of the spinoffs, the tie-ins, the the the, the one shots. Yeah, some of them are good with each week. With each week, um, Siege Society was really good. Young Squadron was okay. It was. It, I'm, I'm not saying it was Brat Packy, but there. Um, I I'm not a. Uh, I'm not feeling. I'm not really feeling. Um, Little Falcon and and that whole, um, his demanding to is it wanting to to be Nightwing's new partner, but um, yeah, some of them are a little. Iffy, but but I think but but what makes them a little bit more endearing are the uh, the editor's notes or the uh, the little winks to let you know, hey, this happened in this issue that you know you never read or will never read because it doesn't exist. But um, no, the Marvel double action I'm really looking forward to. The Bronze Era crawl at the bottom of every page. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 I I think you know the the main mini. Yeah, the 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 you know, like you said, Stoko was was a nice surprise. Um, they uh, 
their their focus it's it's weird because you know it's the first issue starts off with this this huge massive um fight between Hyperion and 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 uh Dr. Juggle a bit and, and and the Doom Juggernaut and um and then of course Thanos here and it's but then we just get you know issues focusing on one member of the team and um maybe maybe Heroes Return will give us the put a focus on the team in action um it'll be neat if if uh, if they go in reverse and uh the same artist they 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 do a snake with 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 the art with the artist on on the uh, follow up mini and um and Stoko is on uh is on an issue in Heroes Return but it i i just i i think and i am I think the last issue of Aaron's Avengers I read was like maybe four or five. So I mean, I'm way, way out of my element with the uh, with the current Avengers run. But but Heroes Reborn, I just I I've been I've been enjoying it because it is just its own thing, and I don't have to uh, carry anything extra around with me to to read it. I don't need to know everything that led up to to this particular moment, which I don't, which. I would have if I wanted to jump in with um, with Hellfire Gal. I, I've been catching up on on the X Men, and I'm only up to I think issue. I, I skipped the ten of Swords issues of X Men, and I think I'm up to like issue fifteen or sixteen or so. So I mean, I'm I'm making my way to, but I want to also read the Hellfire Gal in order. And then eventually I'll go back to, to swords, mm. but see, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see, I, I think not having read ten of swords that it's it's not going to have much impact for you. Well, then What's I going will... on now because it it it. I mean, like even the planet size thing is is a direct. Okay. Like the need the need for it is a direct result of everything that happened in ten of swords. All right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, your mileage may vary. I'm just saying, like that. I think reading planet size X Men presumes you are intimately familiar with everything that happened in Ten of Swords. That would make sense. Would I mean, you agree I, yeah. I would have to agree, yes. Okay, then it's I'll a, go through my comicsology and make sure I have all the uh, Swords issues. Nice. Yeah, for what little it's worth, I enjoyed the Hellfire Gala more than Heroes Reborn. Whatever, right? It is what it is. Well, you like to say yes to the dress, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cool seeing all the, the, the various uh, garments on display. It was kind of neat. Uh, again, off the beaten path. Don't expect that in the next book. So, uh, yeah. I have uh, two books. Two? On which I'm currently crushing very hard. Oh. I'll tell you about one now. I'll save one for In Your Travels. Okay. I talked about the first issue of this couple a handful of episodes ago um i read issue two three just came out i didn't read that yet um because i want to take my time on these and again read them when i actually get the physical copy in my box this is written by jed mckay with uh, art by ig guara and color art by ariana consoni it's published by boom it's the only boom book i bought to date uh, at least on a regular basis. 
It's Magic the Gathering, number two. If you told me that someone would finally encapsulate all the good good from this game I've been playing since 1993, I'd be very, very skeptical because not a lot of people have tried, but those who have didn't really get it. They, they didn't hit the mark. Uh, this boom book hits the mark dead center. Uh, it is just an incredible encapsulation of a lot of the, uh, the current mythology in, of the game because the game's a, a, an evolving narrative. Uh, whether, you know, uh, you'd like to admit it or not, all that flavor text on the cards plays into this big picture where they're trying to tell the story with each set and the expansions. And, and it, it's this multiverse. The magic has a multiverse. And um, in the second issue, the plot thickens. Uh, I told you that uh, there's uh, this mysterious someone is trying to destabilize Ravnica. And if you don't play the game, that means nothing to you. Right? What, the, what is this Ravnica? Well, Ravnica is this massive planet-wide city uh, of guilds. There are ten of them. And uh, they work in tandem. All of them are diametrically opposed. But that plays into the game. Right? It, 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 in the book, it, they introduce you or there are representatives from um, each of the guilds. And they talk and act and conduct themselves in various ways that plays into the mechanics of the game. If if those little symbols on the card are green and black, you know they're going to be involved in death and rot and and uh, destruction, but also in growth and rebirth. That's the green, right? So these characters are tuned very very specifically and finely to match. The concepts within the game. You don't have to know any of, of, of um, the mythology to play the game, but it makes it so much better when you know it, right? Um, so someone is trying to destabilize Ravnica, um, and people have certain planeswalkers have been targeted for assassination, and um, three of the planeswalkers in, involved in this whole brouhaha. Um, you got Kaya of the Orzov, Ralzarek of the Izzet, and Vraska of the Golgari. They experienced it, and it just so happens that one of the planeswalkers was brought down, in a sense, uh, and that's, that's Jace. Jace is the living guild pack. He is the link between all of the different guilds. So he's the glue that holds all this together, in a sense. And he's on ice. He's out. So um, they're trying to find out what the hell is going on here. But these these characters don't work well together, again, because of the mechanics of the game, right? For example, the, you have the Orzov Syndicate, right? These This guild would make Jason very happy because they're all about power through wealth um, and religion, in a sense. So they're like the mob investments, pun intended. Um, th then there's the Izzet League, which are techno-mages. They're super smart. They're tinkerers. They're alchemists and mages and, and sages. They like to experiment, but they're, they're rash and impulsive. That's because they have red in their casting costs, red and blue. It means nothing to you, 
But for someone like me that's been living this game since 93, like this is to see these things um, come to life on, on, on the page is amazing to me that somebody finally plugged in to that special energy, that, that, that creative thing that you can only get from, from Magic the Gathering. Like, I mean, admittedly, there have been a lot of collectible card games since Magic hit real big back in the day. Most of them don't exist anymore, and for good reason, because they didn't have that spark that makes Magic unique, right? And then you have the Golgari Swarm, which is black and green. Those are two opposing forces at work, right? You got death and you also got, you know, rot and decomposition, but they use all that nastiness to fuel programs to provide for Ravnica's needy. They grow shit. They feed people green, right? It, it's, it, and, uh, when, when you see the, the living, Again, not really. They're just lines on a page. But when you see the living embodiment of these concepts that are in the game, it's astounding how well the creative team on this book managed to tap in, again, pun intended, that that special magic mojo. It's amazing. Uh, I can't be more excited for this book. It's probably one of the first things I pull out of my box when I get it. And I would have bet anything, the house, the farm, the dogs, that it wouldn't have been good. Because, you know, history has a way of repeating. And and I've I've bought every comic that had the magic, you know, logo on it and, and the tie-in. Uh, but a lot of them, most of them, were forgettable. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they 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 were not very good. This is is extremely good. It's 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 amazingly well constructed, and but it makes me ask myself, as I am want to do, I gotta wonder if I'm connecting so strongly with this comic because of my long history with the game, or simply because it's a good comic. And then I ask myself, does that even matter at all, right? I can't divest myself from my history with this thing. So the fact that I'm in tune with the concept before I even open the cover leans very strongly into the enjoyment category, right? You know what I mean? That, you know, we were talking about Watchmen on the Slack and that uh, there are there are those out there that don't think it's a good uh, first exposure to comics because it's so complex and there are things that led up to Watchmen that these people feel you need to know so you can fully appreciate Watchmen. And having, I mean, knowing all those things, the Ditko connection, the Charlton connection, knowing all that certainly makes the the work itself more robust and layered, right? But is it necessary? That's that's what we were talking about on the Slack. And that's what I'm asking myself here. Does all of the times that I've been beaten to shreds by a very, very worthy opponent factor in to my enjoyment of this comic? Like, when you're 
punched in the face by an is it character on the tabletop and you know i've stared at the card for many 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 hours in in total when when you see that thing that i've held in my hand and played and and was was and played against and you see it on the comic page in a way that is very 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 faithful to the game is is that bolstering my appreciation of this is that even necessary i can't separate myself from it i i don't know how to do it so I can't tell if this enthusiasm I have for this book is because somebody finally got it right and I'm overjoyed at the fact and I need more of this this correct vision of, of magic or is this simply just a really well-made comic? I don't know. Should I care? I guess that's the question I'm asking. Should it really matter to me? No. Right, because... Well, well, I mean, well, it, it should matter to you if, if it's something you're curious about, but it doesn't it doesn't further validate or invalidate the work, whatever side you conclude you're on. I mean, it doesn't, like... Right? I mean, because part of it is going into it with those experiences affects you. I would posit that the reason Dap and I aren't ordering that book is because we don't have any tidic magic right like you now you're praising it increases the chance that i'll read it eventually right if if you yeah. if you said ah, i wasn't anything special then i would have forgotten it ever existed but uh but like it i would think that i mean i, I would presume they weren't making a magic comic to appeal to people that don't play magic like, but the, it, the trick I, the trick is to lure people that play magic into wanting to read the comic Yes, that's true. I mean, that's that's obvious, but um, it's shockingly accessible for those who have never played the game. Not at at the expense of of the reader, like with with volumes of descriptive text, but the way the characters act in the book and the environments in which they're they're worming their way through are are explained in a way that. You don't need a shit ton of backstory. Like there, mm. there's an event that um, this Kaya planeswalker. Uh, she's got a checkered past because she she killed. Um, she she has assassination in her in her past, and so they they mention they <laughs> they mention that in the book, offhand almost. Like yeah, well you're not squeaky clean. You did this. And you don't really need to know exactly, like the fine details of what that event was. But they tell you that this person that that comes off more often than not as holier than thou isn't all, you know, isn't all she's, uh, isn't as uh, enlightened or elevated as she would profess to be, right? That's why I think Jed McKay did a really thorough, comprehensive job in in taking what exists in another realm this this thing where people put cardboard uh, rectangles on a table and you know and he's taken that all those concepts there and he's made it into a narrative that's just it's it's so engrossing and it works it's it's disturbingly good so i mean it, if you have no history with magic the gathering and you're just like wow those mateo scalera covers are really cool 
maybe I'll buy that book, jump in. Because I, I think this is, uh, it's not quite Magic 101 as far as the multiverse goes, but they're, they're, they're taking steps to, to show you everything. Like you got Ravnica, you got Zendikar in here. I'm sure they're going to go to another, another uh, plane. So, because that's what the characters do. They're planeswalkers. They can traverse dimensions and it's just, it's, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm silly. I'm giddy that it's just so good. Um, but if you want a all-in-one primer, read, uh, there's a, a novel, it's called War of the Spark, um, Ravnica by uh, Greg Weissman. It's really good. And nice. it, in tandem with this, I think, you know, if you want to get into the, the mythology of magic, those are the two things to read. This comic and War of the Spark, really good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, and, speaking of Watchmen, before you move on. I did want to, you, you just jarred my memory. <clears throat> I wanted to give a shout out to our good friends at uh, Sidebar. For those who don't know, uh, the Sidebar crew um, are back with uh, Sidebar Forever. It's nice. A, a new podcast, yeah. And uh, Swain uh, hit me up because they did an episode this week uh, titled, If Alan Moore Ain't the Goat, Nobody Is. <laughs> and they they dive deep on Alan Moore, and so I I uh, started giving a listen, and then uh, Swain, as they got into it, said uh, that the impetus for the episode was Dap when you and I recorded with Swizz uh, at Heroes, at Heroes, low those many years ago, yeah. and he said that uh, to this day he remembers we were all having a conversation, and I said Alan Moore is the goat. And I defy anyone to convince me otherwise. And he said, when I said that, he had never thought of it. And then after I said it, he was like, I can't really argue with him. So they they, they spend uh, their episode talking about Alan Moore in a very thoughtful way. For those who don't know, Sidebar was arguably, well, it was one of my favorite, if not my favorite, comics podcast outside of our own. And it went on for years. And and it wasn't just comics. They all three. It's uh, it's 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 Swain uh, Hunt. Dwight Clark and Adrian Johnson, and and they they didn't just talk um, comics, but they also talked uh, fine art and commercial art and graphic art. They're just humongous art fans. They're all art artists by trade, and uh, really, really was sad when they hung up their uh, their mic. So it's nice yeah. that they're back, and and they're doing like their own thing now. It's like I think they kind of got burdened, much like you guys did with bullpen Boltons and wanted to switch up the format. I think they were tired of 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 feeling formulaic, but now they just do what they want. Like they they did a. Uh, like they'll, they they did a a deep dive on Snowpiercer the movie a few weeks ago and then they'll do they just they talk about whatever they want to talk about they don't they don't it's not just comics anymore it's just whatever kind of is on their mind uh, in the moment and uh, so yeah so I just wanted to shout them out because it's it's great to see them being creative and getting on the mics again that's good news that is great news yeah uh, I caught up on. Um... I was going to wait until the uh, the fifth issue um, came out, but I couldn't wait. So I uh, I caught up on Carmen by uh, Guillaume March. And um, this is weird um, because I don't know yet where I can put it. 
on Maya Klosker's because it's basic. It's a reprint. It, it's it's translated into English and, and published by Image, but it was originally um, published overseas. Uh, is it a limited series? Is it reprint? I don't. So I have I have, I have time to to wrestle with that. But this has um, this is something I think when it's done, uh, I don't. I tend not to double dip uh these days but depending on how this is collected i might but this is a this is a series this is a story that i feel like i'm going to have to revisit every so often um it's not necessarily a happy story as as i talked about in the first issue um the main character uh kata she commits suicide and carmen the figure in the uh skeleton suit um she Kata is Carmen's mission and uh Carmen is basically letting her know or showing her the ropes more or less on on um on what's going on um and what your next steps are prior to um being reincarnated. Um the art continues to blow me away and and it it's weird. It there's so much there's a whole dichotomy going on when I read this because on one hand, it's very easy for me to feel sorry for Kata and, and, uh, you know, she's, she's a sympathetic character, but on the other hand, and Carmen kind of rips into her, um, in the, uh, in the third issue. Um, and it's something that I've struggled with. I've, I've, I find and it's taken me a long time to see the other side, and I have to credit my wife with 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 kind of opening my eyes to that. But, um, and I it always kind of comes back to me with with Kurt Cobain because I find I find suicide to be extremely selfish, and 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 this is wrong, and it's and and this is my thing. But you know, here was somebody who had a beautiful little baby girl, and 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 he had friends and loved ones tell him, plead with him to seek help and and you know you have things to live for and he still um chose the way out that he chose and and i i you know it's sad and unfortunate and and again it it took me a long time for me to finally realize that that was he was struggling and that was that was his way to deal with it and 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 i can't i shouldn't um beat someone up because that's the the route they took and uh no matter what my thing is and why i would fight against doing it or 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 pray that someone would do that to themselves um i get it to a degree but um but there's still the voice the back of my head that says it's you're just I, it's not a cowardice thing. It's just I, I, I think you're selfish. So, so Carmen does explain to her, to her after she kind of is tired of 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 Kathis whining, and uh, you know your all your parents wanted was for you to talk to them, to call them. I mean, your mother would call you once a week, but then after a while, she would stop calling because she felt that she was annoying you or she was a nuisance, and you didn't have time to talk to her, so she just stopped calling you. And you know they never knew what you were going through, what what was going on in your life. They, they, um, and all they wanted to do was love you. And, um, 
and you've taken that from them. Like, you know, they can't, you know, they can't call you anymore. You can't call them back. And, and, and it's like, and for what, why, why did you, and it just hit me, kicked me. It just, it, it, it threw me on the ground and, and, you know, as gorgeous as, as March's art is. And I mean, if I could come back, I want to come back as, as, as a female drawn by March, but it, it, it's even the story, the, the, the words he's putting on the page. Um, it's, it's insanely good. And, um, yeah, you know, we find out that, uh, Kat is able to relive someone's life when she phases through them. She's she she bumps into someone in the street who, who doesn't move out of the way because at a reflex, you know, she you would avoid people, um, but someone ends up walking through her and and she relives this woman's life who um, who was uh, who was raped and committed suicide, but they found her who attempted suicide. They found her in time. She didn't know she was pregnant when she, uh, when she tried to take her life. Uh, so now she's got a beautiful baby and, and she's, she's moving on with her life. There's somebody who is sitting on a bench and Katta sits down next to him and just starts having a conversation with him. Not that he can hear her or see her. Um, and he's, he, he turns and he looks at Kat, well, she, you think she's looking at her and she thinks he's looking at her, but he's looking through her past her at a waitress at the cafe across the street. And he keeps looking at this box in his hand and it's an engagement ring and he's on his way to cross the street to go propose to her. Uh, and someone is yelling on the phone, not looking where he's going. And Kat tries to push him out of the way, ends up phasing through him. Uh, and then relives his life, and you see this whole relationship with 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 this man and this waitress, and the way March um, shows the passage of time. Where he's at the, uh, it's one thing, you know, if he was just showing the clothes that you know he's sitting outside of the cafe, and you see him in shorts and a shirt, and then the next panel he's wearing, you know, a turtleneck and slacks, and then it's back to shorts again, and so it's obviously a passage of time. But he also draws like the little branches in the panel above the characters, and and then the middle panel, there's no leaves on it because obviously it's colder. And the little touches like that, I think, are just amazing in this book. Um, but it it's it's we find out that Carmen isn't the only. I'm not going to call her an angel, but the only person, the only guide. There's someone we're introduced to. Her name is Carmela, and whereas Carmen has the, um, she's got the skeleton. Carmela's more like the um, the nervous system uh, is is how she's represented. And then there's another woman when Carmen kind of returns back to headquarters or whatever uh, you want to call it. The woman in charge, uh, you kind of just see the digestive system. And and so it's 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 I'm not quite sure yet what what, what March is doing, uh, what what the ideas behind all of that. Why they're not all kind of dressed in quotes the same, but. Uh, but I think it's a neat take on be, tweaking everything to to show somebody show them all a little different. But it is just a um, it is a fantastic story. I I I, I kind of don't want it to end, but at the same time, it 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 needs to. This has to make its logical conclusion. I don't know. Obviously, I, I don't. It's not going to end in a Disney style story. I don't think Cat is coming back to life, picking up where she left off. Where she she explains. Um, what was going on with her childhood Francisco who she had a crush on and 
but Cisco was always with other women and she just I the way the story is told I get why she did what she did and um and yes it is extremely unfortunate and um that's my other hang up with with my my other issue with suicide is that you can't you've taken You've taken the conversation away from anybody. We can't go any further. All we're going to have now is questions. Whatever, whatever argument, whatever conversation could have had, could have been had, um, now can't happen. And and whereas if you were still alive, we could either come to a come to a conclusion. We could get past it. We could figure out a way. But but obviously you can't now. And and uh, it's just. The book is probably not as deep as I'm making it out to be, but it it is just hitting me on all sorts of levels. I I think it's um I think it's an amazing piece of work. It looks amazing, um, but even the story and and again I've I have Monica behind me. The first book I know Brian Newbury was talking about it on the Slack, and I I don't have the second book yet, so I haven't started the first. But before this, I never really knew what kind of writer March was, but um. I have a feeling anything his name is attached to from from here on out. I'll, I'm definitely checking out. I am. It, it's it's weird that a story like this um, makes me feel the way it is, and and that I want everybody who has an opportunity to read it should read it. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely think it's worth your time. Yeah, I, I I have to say I I love March's work, but for some reason the the design of it with the kind of like this the skeleton bodysuit and stuff I'm like I don't know about this, but uh, yeah, you make it out to be a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I I I guess my only question is since it is ported over from. Uh, Europe, why, why, why didn't they put it out in a hardcover like everything else that comes over from Europe? Seriously, yeah, no, I know, I know. Uh, maybe it's going to be both. Maybe, maybe why not both? Maybe that's the answer. I that's hope. probably the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to save my comments on uh, suicide in, until we're off air because I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and you won't have any trouble getting your books at far less than everybody else is paying. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you get your books, get them delivered quickly to your home, and they're in great condition. Remember, write these down. Image, Ant, number one, Eric Larson, say no more, $1.99. Defenders, Ewing, Rodriguez, again, how could you pass this up at a dollar ninety nine and bringing up the rear, but never in our hearts? It's Dead Box number one from Mark Russell and Ben Tizma is also a dollar ninety nine, a trifecta of savings. And your travels. I guess you can file this under how the heck did I not know this book existed? It completely passed out of my radar. Uh <laughs> And fooey on me for not being in on this from the ground floor because after reading uh, the first two volumes, of which there are 10, because the book recently ended with its 50th issue, 
Um, it's another one of those things that uh, may be a product of right book at the right time because I'm I'm in the fantasy zone lately. Um, can't seem to get enough of it. And uh, this book is very much lodged uh, within the, the fantasy genre. It is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Andre Bresson and color art by Adriana Lucas. Book's called Birthright. And uh, when I when I tell you the the pitch on the first issue, I don't see how this story couldn't light your world on fire. The twists and the turns and just the the unexpected events that were detailed in the first two volumes. Again, it just makes me ask myself, where is this going to go? It's it's just so amazingly well plotted. Um, it, it's a little boy, and his name's Mikey, Mikey Rhodes. He's out playing catch with his dad, right? Throwing the old ball around. Um, but his dad, Aaron, has an ulterior motive for this fun-filled afternoon because it turns out it's Mikey's birthday. Yay, yay, Mikey. And uh, dad's trying to keep the little man out of the house, so mom, Wendy... And his older brother, Brennan, can, you know, ready themselves for the party and get the decorations hung and all the shit you do for a party, right? So they're throwing the ball around. Dad lobs a good one, like, and it goes into the woods. So Mikey runs after the ball. And uh, he never comes out of the woods. Oh. Yeah. And thus begins the downward spiral for the Rhodes family. Frantic searches, uh, have you seen me posters, hours and hours of police work, broken hearts, shattered dreams. Uh, Aaron is at one point accused of being the culprit. They, they, there, there are people that think he killed his own son. So uh, dad descends into the bottle and, and he and Wendy part ways. She files for divorce. Uh, Brennan who it appears was overshadowed by Mikey from birth. There's a um, a photo where mom and dad and Mikey are in the foreground and Brennan's in the background trying to find a space between mom and dad to fit his head, you know. Uh, so the, the, the family's in tatters uh, until a day a year after the event when a vagrant is apprehended and brought in to for questioning and this is a massive man long of hair thick of muscle upper body covered with sprawling tribal tattoos he's got plate armor on his shoulders and gauntlets and he he looks like a character straight out of robert e howard um so what does this mountain of a man have to do with the rhodes family Aaron knows the minute he sets eyes on the guy, he knows it's Mikey. He knows it's his son. How the hell is this possible? Well, when Mikey went into the forest, Mikey has something special. It's called the birthright. He can traverse dimensions. Uh, only those with the birthright can do it. And uh, he ended up in a, a realm called... Terranos. And he finds himself 
the fabled hero. He's the savior. He is destined to save the people from this God King lore character, really despicable Saruman like 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 uh, being. Um, not long after he enters the realm, he encounters this giant orcish character called Rook, who is his mentor and teaches him how to fight. Mikey doesn't want anything to do with it. He he can't kill um, for a while. And uh, Rook has a pack of flying children called his Gideons. They're young children with these, at least not in the first two books, it's not stated, but they're not real wings. Uh, they're, 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 they're like a, a, um, a flight suit kind of thing, but for all intents and purposes, they're flying children. They're, they look like giant angel's wings. Um, so Mikey, time doesn't pass the same way in Terranos as it does on Earth. So Mikey um, assumes the responsibility of the Savior and um, beats the God King lore and is tasked with the uh, job of coming back to Earthrealm and hunting down war criminals that uh, managed to escape his, his, his clutches. At least that's what he tells the detectives. And the hook of the first issue was that Mikey never beat the God King lore. He was, in fact, corrupted by this monster and is in our realm to pave the way for the God King lore's uh, eventual arrival. That's a fucking hook. That is. Tell me that's not a hook. That's in, that's awesome. And the way they illustrate it is, there's this thing that the lore uses called the Nevermind, and it sinks itself into your consciousness. And it's illustrated like a whirlpool of viscera circumnavigating his head, and it has this disgusting withered skeletal face and it talks to him he's in the the police questioning uh room and you and you see this uh affected dialogue balloon and it says uh are you alone and mikey's like yes and this thing talks to him it directs him in his actions and he's you you are firmly convinced that this kid is is in league with this this beast and is here to to just open the door to our realm for this the 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 armors of this monster to come over and just ravage the place so now brennan who was the big brother is now the little brother and 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 you get daddy believes it he buys into it 100 percent uh don't want to reveal anymore because there are there are just so many twists in this book it is just an amazingly entertaining read the the art oh my goodness um again if you want to see some of it go to our website 11 o'clockcomics.com it's under the episode thread there's a gallery some pages from this book i don't want to give too much away but Bresson's art is just oh it, it, it's a little bit a little bit quietly a little bit more Aaron Cooter. You got some Christopher Mitten in there. It is just a melange of just mm. yeah. There's 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 antecedents here 
or there's influences, I want to say, but um, I think, but it's all its own thing, and it is uh, the beasts and the, the the monsters and the warriors and the creatures and the realms. They're, they're, they very frequently have double page spreads of the ramparts that the characters are entering, and they are sumptuous. Oh, they're so gorgeous. I, I would recommend this book to anybody if you're not a fantasy fan because it takes place in, in two worlds, right? And you get flashbacks of Mikey's training, the, the events that led him to be this this despicable character. Um, then it bounces back to Earth and the, 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 the travails that the family's going through. It is, it's an immaculate book. I cannot find anything within it that... I would either change or tweak nothing. It is just perfect. It's birthright. By image. By image. Ten volumes. And you can have them Damn. for like under under eight bucks a piece. DCBS. Love it. It's a very worthy investment. Yeah. Obviously, each uh, volume's five issues. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Great, great, great stuff. New to me, maybe. No one's reading. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. aside from Brian, who, when I said uh, I was going to read this, he's like, duh, he, he DM'd me. And I was like, so there there are people reading this book, but I don't think the numbers <laughs> are legion, is what I'm saying. Mm. By the way, are, are is there anyone who reads more comics than Brian Newberry? I don't know. Uh, maybe Mike Myers, but yeah, it's... it's <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. <laughs> Is there anyone that reads more comics who I have in my circle of influence than <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think so. You know, speaking of Mike Myers, I uh-huh. love the dude. And he, uh-huh. he tweeted pictures of, of, I forget what he called it, his vault or where he keeps oh, his comics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. boxes upon boxes stacked and stacked and stacked. And I almost had a stroke because I think they're in his basement. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the room uh, above ground to store them, or, you know, maybe I mean, he doesn't. A lot of people have their comics in their basements, though, right? I, I, I mean, does he have it on pallets? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. But I'm just thinking one freak storm, and there's like at least uh, you know a third of your books gone like I mean, I, it just gave me the vapors like oh, oh my I, god I, oh i know i know yeah no shit jesus yeah i love him though i love mike <sighs> um i have a uh i have two for a bit the first isn't really anything i can discuss because it's not available yet um i did not order this because it is i wasn't thrilled with the format it it's um it's 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 pocket-sized but i read the preview pdf from um from image and it's not i'm not necessarily kicking myself because i will get it eventually um but marth valis is a it's just something you need to experience i'm not i i'm not going to discuss it i, I don't want to go into it because um what was the title marth valis and and marth is is actually it's it's it means mars in welsh uh it's it's a valley on mars so it's 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 a real place 
Um, but Electric Pick is the writer, artist, um, designer, editor of this OGN that was originally a Kickstarter and is now going to be published um, by Image in the very near future. Uh, I'm aware of that. I talked about it in my previous video, yeah. and it looks, like I said, it's it's a gorgeous looking piece of work. It's 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 a sci fi story um, set around and on Mars, um, involving um, two opposing Martian factions. Um, but the little things here and there, the 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 word balloons. It, it's all it's it's mostly visual. Uh, you're not going to be doing a lot of reading. It, with 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 this graphic novel, but um, but it is absolutely something I'm glad I was able to um, to witness to consume. Um, but I don't. I I I I'm just I'm breaking out in hives knowing that the format available to us is from Image is 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 more of a pocket sized format, and and the art these pages need need more than that there it, it's mm-hmm. it's a crime for them to be on something so small it's it, it looks like it's about a 15 dollar uh soft softback um i i again comic book fans i think should absolutely read this but um i uh i'm 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 holding now i'm i'm going to the uh the creator site to see if um they're overseas to see if i can um to see if it's in a larger size, and I'll 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 just I'll I'll buy the damn thing that way. If but don't give a shit about shipping, but uh, but that's that, that's one thing. If, if you didn't order it, uh, I pity you. But 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 you should definitely rectify that. Uh, but in your travels, um, I want to give a shout out to an anthology, um, and it is uh, it's from DC this month. DC Pride uh, with a really cool forward by Mark Andreco, who is um with Andy Mangles, one of the first out creators I, I was aware of who um basically been out from jump. And for anybody who doesn't isn't aware, um Mark is uh I don't want to say more famously known, but his 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 claim to fame is co creating Kate Spencer, who uh who aka Manhunter. Um not too long ago, but um, but he uh, so he's done done some work for DC, but the the story in this the stories in this book uh, I'm not gonna go through each one, but my favorites um, were uh, another word for a truck to move your furniture, which was written by uh, Mariko Tamaki, with gorgeous art by Amy Reader, and that's that's a story featuring um, Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy. There's also um, there is a story titled Date Night, uh, featuring Dreamer, who is the character from the Supergirl TV series. And it's actually written by Nicole Maines, who plays Neonal, a.k.a. Dreamer, on the Supergirl TV show. And uh, art by uh, Rachel Stott. Um, there is a... Uh, there's a story called He's the Light of My Life, written by Sam Johns, with art by... Klaus Jensen, which is about um, Alan Scott and having brunch with uh, his son Todd, aka Obsidian, and um, and Todd's partner. Um, and Alan got to talk about 
this guy he knew on the train and and uh who was the conductor when uh when he came across the ring um and i mean they're all they're they're all sweet and uplifting and um letting people know that uh that they are seen and that they uh that they have nothing um I don't want to say to be ashamed of, but it, it's it's. I, I appreciate the book, and I'm 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 glad it exists. It's it's bittersweet in the sense that it's a shame that something like this needs to, um, that this isn't that, that this is like a, a that this isn't the norm that you know we need to spotlight something like this and and make it a thing where it's not just something that is, but. Uh, the the story by Rose with art by Rose Stein and Ted Brandt from uh, the crowded series from Image features Pipe Piper, which was a fun story. I mean, they're all fun stories. I I, I dug them all. There's a the story with Constantine, um, and because I'm not familiar with Constantine and I haven't read a lot of Hellblazer stories, um, I wasn't aware that John was by or Pan or whatever I, I i didn't know uh what his um orientation was but it, it there's some pinups here um the back matter has uh interviews with actors who uh who um portray gay or trans characters in the um on the cw shows and even um negative man from the Doom Patrol series, uh, they have a little Q and A with uh, Matt Bomer. But no, I thought this was a um, this is a I dug the anthology a lot. I scored the um, the variant cover by um, Jen Bartel with, uh, with with Ivy and Harley on the cover. Because I the main cover was neat, but um, uh, Jim Lee drawing a bunch of of characters isn't necessarily what the um, the event or what the anthology meant to me, but I saw it at the shop and I figured what the hell. Um, and I think I'm better for it because I enjoyed all the stories within. So in your travels, uh, check out DC pride, uh, the anthology for, uh, from this month, DC. Awesome. It's uh, on my stack. Nice. Yep. Uh, before I do main your travels, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, you gentlemen gave uh, Mr. Drew Van Genderen some love. No, Vince uh, did. I still have to, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Vince did. Um, and I received some goodies from him as well. And I just kind of, I'm always so touched by the creativity that when people send us things, because, you know, we buy and read a lot of freaking comics and it's like, I know doing the care packages, I'm always sitting there thinking like, ah, oh, I bet like half the stuff I send people they've already got, you know, like just because like it's hard. So the fact that Drew sent me a box full of stuff that was all brand new to me is a triumph in and of itself. But it was um, the other cool thing is it just wasn't all comics. He um, he sent me a really cool little mini comic. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's been super into mini comics uh, through places like Etsy because Etsy's been doing a lot of mini comics. So he sent me a mini comic by Tia Roxe called Face Fatigue, which is right up your alley, Vince. It's basically about a, a, a girl who is worried about aging and how it'll affect her beauty. And she ends up 
looks she thinks it's like a little like a tiny little pimple but it just almost like in a uh in a uh junji ito way it just keeps her face just gets more and more pocked and bubbly and deformed until she's essentially a monster and uh and, and it drives her to uh to to a fit of violence it's probably like a 10 page little mini comic maybe 12 pages but it was really cool um he also sent me the oven by sophie goldstein which is a book by our good friends at ad house i actually do have this book already full disclosure um but i will definitely pass this along in a care package pass it because it's a fun little little mini book um sort of futuristic story about uh, a place where you can't have kids anymore and a couple move to the outskirts to kind of like radioactive wastelands where you can live and try and have kids, um, but fun. And then the other things were a novel called Ahab's Return, which was written by a gentleman named Jeffrey Ford. It's basically a reimagining of the Moby Dick mythos, where in this story, Ahab doesn't actually die. And his life is effectively ruined by Melville's story. So he comes back to mainland and seeks out Ishmael, who wrote the story while working for a tabloid, to uh, to try and get his life back. So it's like seems like a pretty weird meta uh, reimagining of the Moby Dick ending, which I think is pretty neat. And then last but certainly not least, uh, he found, I don't know how he found it, but he found a... Sotheby's comic book and comic art auction catalog from an auction they did back in 2000. And this is just candy to me. Um, As you guys know, off air, I was telling you about the heritage auction that's going on right now and the prices that we're seeing. And this is 20 years ago. And to see the stuff and how much it was going for is just shocking. So I'll, I'll have some fun with this. I'll, I'll I'll take some of the pages and and uh, and make Patreon posts on it just to show it. But like, there's a Bernie Wrightson Cthulhu drawing, Vince. Sweet. And it's it went for a thousand dollars. I mean, it would probably be you know forty thousand dollars now. There's a a page. It's a cover. It's the cover. Art Adams painted cover from Longshot number six. It went for twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean that'd be an eighty thousand dollar thing now. So it's just super neat to see this stuff and uh, and how much it used to cost. And I mean, if you collect art, it's going to make you want to jump off a cliff because because uh, it's just absurd. Like like there's an Action Comics number one in uh, fine condition for forty thousand dollars, and uh, one of those I think just went two months ago for one point one million. So so <laughs> so like you know if you're the guy who sold it back then for forty grand, you probably wish you could have that back so shout out to drew for uh the really creative and thoughtful uh care package and then in your travels i'll keep it short uh check out from uh tom king bill quist evely and matt lopez supergirl woman of tomorrow uh first issue of the new eight issue miniseries dropped and i gotta say that uh listen i'm, I'm a fan of tom's work for sure um, but I had no idea until I read this book that he uh, basically is is telling a version of True Grit, and I'm all for that. I, I very much love the Coen Brothers version of True Grit and, <laughs> and love Westerns in general, and this is basically a take on that. Only the cool thing is that 
when you hear that, you're thinking you know what's happening. But the cool thing is he doesn't make Kara the 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 little girl, the the, men, the mentee. He makes her the mentor. And that's interesting because um, she's put in a position as a character that you just don't see uh, traditionally from her. So, and Bill Quisevely is absurd. I mean, she mm-hmm. is an incredible artist. Um, she is actually shout out to Felix. She's part of team Felix. She, you know, I remember seeing her stuff on shaft with, with, uh, David Walker, David Walker and, and loved it. And, and she was just a, a meteor, uh, since then. But to be fair, for me, even though I've always adored her work, she's done mostly things I wasn't so interested in. She did the Doc Savage book. She, for Dynamite, she did uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth. And then she's done, for the last two or three years, uh, Sandman the Dreaming series. Just none of which were things that I was reading. So I haven't seen her work in in print very often. So I'm pretty psyched that she's finally doing a book where uh, I'm interested in reading it. So, yeah, so check it out. It's... uh, Probably don't need to tell most of y'all listening that you should check out a Tom King book, but Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number one was uh, was definitely right up my alley. Nice. Well, there you go, people. If you want more of this here stuff, go to Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter. There's a lot there. If you want to be really adventurous, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We'd love to have you. In the meantime, do yourself a solid and say good night. Ah, little headfield action going there for you. David. Mm. Good night. Easy peasy. Yeah, and squizzles. Shouldn't be difficult. Uh, David. Nice. We're out of here, y'all. Come back. Oh, next episode's Book of the Month, right? Should be. No? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, so get, get, if y'all haven't been reading, get, get that Defenders read. So Thursday. No, Thursdays. No, no. Thursday bonus is our set. guest. We're doing a bonus set Monday or Tuesday. Oh, we got our month. guest Thursday, and then Jason and I can talk TV while you're out. Yeah, nice. We're gonna do TV centric get. Sweet. Perfect for while you're gone. Yes. Do it up. Uh. Yeah, I got. Um, Vince, you will never guess. What uh, one of the things Drew sent me? What it is? It is, and I remember seeing this at one point. It's uh, it's R B and C C number one hundred five, and it has an awesome Enterprise versus. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Romulan Bird of Prey on yes. the cover. I I have seen some of the things in this magazine in this issue before. Um, but it is absolutely fantastic seeing it all here um, between between these two covers. And and shout out to Tim M for the um, Sandman collection by the uh, KCA team. And I have to give a massive thanks to um, Trevor on the Slack for um, hooking me up with uh, Justice League number sixty. 
and um, and the art of comic book inking, the latest edition by Gary Martin. And this edition actually includes um, blue lines on Bristol uh, from Steve Root, Brent Anderson, Terry Dotson, Randy Green, Adam Warren, Jack Kirby, Gil Kane, and John Bushin. So you can go ahead and, and, and practice drinking right on. And they're perforated, so you can take them out. It, it's it's neat. So they, I mean, I've just I've been real. Oh, and Rod with the uh, Doctor Who clickable uh, trading card games. Man, I've been I've been real lucky lately. I'll say this is true. That's it for that one. <laughs>